In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. It's the real stories behind success. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and this is episode number 44. We got Mitch Russo today on. Mitch helps companies with courses and training programs that gets their students to complete their programs and be more successful. Now, using some new patent pending technology, it uses software and it's a platform. This is what I love that matches members of the same program together as accountability partners. The company's called resultsbreakthroughs.com. Today, we are going to go up Success Mountain with a legend in my mind, and he's going to tell some amazing stories from working with Tony Robbins, Chad Holmes, all these amazing people along the way. But the one thing that I love is his heart, his soul, and he's ready to serve. So please welcome to the show, Mitch Russo. Thank you, Tony. Great to be here. Let's get going. All right. So the first question out the gate is, in my opinion, a straightforward question. So what is your definition of success? You know, that's a great question, and I could give you an obvious answer, but I think for me, my best answer comes from my heart, which is when I look back on my life, what I really want to ask myself is, how many people have I helped, and how many more people can I help before I'm gone? And that to me, when I look back and think, you know, I've helped a lot of people, that makes me feel like a success. And, you know, there might be other people who've helped more people or less people. It doesn't matter. This year, I got to help more people than I did last year. And I hope to do the same next year. I love that. Your journey has been vast. I mean, from just kind of learning and in, in our initial conversation months ago to where we're at now, I mean, you've made a big impact in the world, but it didn't all start one day where you just rolled out of bed one day and you're like, today I'm going to go impact the world. Can you give us a little bit of kind of where you found yourself wanting to move towards this as a position in life and kind of a mission for life? Oh, Tony, what a great question. And you've unleashed a story here that I feel compelled to tell you. I think you're going to enjoy it because it'll kind of give you an idea of where I come from and the things I do. I got to take you back to high school. I got to take you back to the age of 16. Turns out, you know, I had a rock band in high school and I had a rock band, I think, for the right reasons to meet girls. I mean, what other reason is there to have a rock band, right? But there's a dark side to that too, Tony. The dark side is that I got in trouble with drugs and I became addicted to heroin, to hard narcotics. And where that took me was to some pretty dark places. And it took me to a point in time where I almost left this earth permanently. And that time was right around February of my 16th year of life. And I had purchased a bag of dope in the bathroom at high school and I took it home and I waited until band practice was over on Saturday afternoon before using it. But between Thursday and Saturday, it was burning a hole in my wallet. I just couldn't stop thinking about it, which is a very clear sign of addiction. <laughs> but I wasn't in physical pain. So I waited and it was finally after everybody left, I opened up my little box and I took out that bent spoon and I bent the match on the book of matches and lit it and I dropped some water into the spoon. I tapped the dope directly into the spoon. I bubbled it up. I put the cotton in and I drew that mixture into my needle 
And I gave it a tap, 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 click, and they gave it a pop to get the air bubbles out. And I tightened the rubber band around my arm. And just as I did this, the phone rang. And Tony, I have no idea who it was, but I got to tell you, I picked up the phone and I said, hello, hello, hello. And there was no answer, but there was a clicking sound. So I kept saying, hello, hello, until finally I gave up and I hung up the phone and I went back to what I was about to do. But in that moment, it turns out that the needle had gelled solid. Now, remember, it had cooled down during that time. If I had put it into my arm before the phone rang, I would have injected it as a fluid into my arm. It would have solidified and killed me within 15 seconds. So my question for you, Tony, is who was on the other end of that call? I love that. I'm already relating because I'm sitting here because I attempted suicide in 2008. And in the act, I received a knock at the door. Wow. So, I'm, so that's my relatableness like in that moment, right? I get it. So what did you do about that thought that, okay, cool, this happened, right? I say cool in the sense that it cooled down and hardened. Now you're sitting and going. Oh, well, I'm looking at this thing going, oh my God. I, I mean, I'm standing there you know, at the crossroads of life and I just started to cry. And I cried as hard as I could possibly cry. I don't remember ever crying harder to this day. And I made the decision that I was never going to put a needle in my arm again. And that for me was the turning point, which changed everything. And it took me from being a drug addicted teenager to going on the path of becoming a mature and healthy adult. Mm. Now, I didn't do it alone, Tony. I needed to go through a rehab program in order to accomplish that. But when I came out of rehab, I was clean, I was sober, and I was focused. I was focused on being that person of value in life and making my way in this world. Yeah. So I guess my question that I'd love to know is being able to maintain being, you know, you say drug-free, you haven't had a needle in your arm since. Have you been able to maintain being a drug-free guy the rest of your life? Absolutely. See, that's remarkable in the moment, right? You make a decision, something like, hey, I'm going to go get some help. And then now you celebrate time. And so many of us just waste time. Well, you know, this is the thing about life. Everything is a decision. So if you're too fat, and those of you listening, you know if you're too fat. I mean, heck, I'm too fat sometimes. And I'm not, not now, but I was. When you make the decision, the job is done. All you have to do is act. So if you're not acting, that means you don't trust yourself. And if you don't trust yourself, it means you need to figure out how you can trust yourself. And so whether that's working with somebody individually to help you or working on your own to force yourself into conditions that make you trust yourself, you have to build up that trust so that your own word to you is the word that you keep first. Yeah. The only thing you have on planet earth is your word. That's right. And I I love that. Mitch, I just got to ask the billion dollar question. How did that decision in that moment change the trajectory of your life because of the formula that you discovered was decisions and choices and you started making better choices? So share a little bit of your highlight reel with us. Share a little bit of some sizzles of things that you've experienced. And then what I'd like to do is pick one or two as we climb up Success Mountain today and we'll share that with the audience and it'll help you and I to be a little bit more relatable as I'm here to learn. You're the teacher. I'm just the person who's lucky enough to be here to interview you. Sure, sure. So when I basically I returned back to high school, clean and sober, and there were all my friends, all my druggy friends, and my decision at that point was I'm not one of them anymore. Mm. So I'm focusing on my grades. I ended up getting straight A's for the rest of my high school career. I then decided to go to college and I didn't like college. 
I will say, Tony, that I have actually dropped out of some of the finest colleges in this country. So I'm proud of that. But I, what I really had was a passion for electronics. And I decided that I wanted to pursue electronics in one form or another, but I didn't know what. And my mom asked me, well, what would you think about doing? I said, well, you know, I used to like Rob who came to the house and fixed our TV. Maybe I'll be a TV repairman. So, well, you know, Tony, these, you got to start somewhere, right? So (laughs) I worked at a VCR repair shop, so I'm totally in the story. Oh, cool. So I went to school for color television repair. And it was an associate's degree program. And in the sixth term of six terms, which was the last term of the school, I got to have, to, I, we were told we had to take this mandatory course called digital electronics. Mm. I mean, who ever heard of putting digital electronics inside of a TV? TVs were made of tubes. Come on. Yeah. But I took the course anyway. And I somehow got noticed by the teacher. The teacher gave me a book and told me to read chapter one and do the exercises at the end of the chapter. Long story short, I ended up with a college degree in digital logic and electronics in my final, final course called Digital Electronics for Television. So he came to me at the end of the course. He says, you realize what you just did? You just finished the freshman and sophomore year of digital electronics. Mitch, there's no way you're ever going to fix a color television, I'm telling you right now. You belong in the computer industry. And he was right. I got recruited to Data General, and I worked for Data General. Then I worked for Digital Equipment Corporation, and I got involved in some amazing cutting-edge projects at DEC back in the 70s. And then from there, I became a... I worked directly with one of the largest alarm companies in the world, ADT, and I was building the next generation of digital electronics for ADT in a lab in Massachusetts. From there, I ended up selling electronics and becoming the nationwide expert in the Zilog Z80 8-bit microprocessor, (laughs) which today would do me no good at all. And I ended up at that point realizing that there's a whole world out there called the personal computer industry. And so I was making good money. I had a programming job on the side. I started buying real estate in Boston while programming at night. And I decided at that point that I really didn't want to be an engineer anymore. I wanted to sell. I wanted to make the big money. And I went into sales. And while I was in sales and I was just crushing it, I had such a good time. I really resonated with selling. And I was making at the age of 26 years old, I was making 34000 a month. Uh, and this goes back a while. So, And I was very unsophisticated. So Tony, what I was doing is I was going from bank to bank, putting in $100,000 in each bank, and then putting the passbook, you know, the, the little book that they give you with your deposits in my sock drawer. So I, I didn't even remember how many of these passbooks I had, each from a different bank with $100,000. And I did that because of the FDIC rules, if you remember. And then finally, at that point, I said, you know, I got to jump into this computer business thing. And I said, I have this idea. I'm just going to go for it. And by luck, by circumstance, by synergy, by the grace of God, whatever you want, the right person was brought right to me and we became partners and we started a software company. And Tony, we grew that software company to a hundred people and we sold it for eight figures. And that all happened before I was 40 years old. Wow. If you had to give yourself a, a specific title for what you do in the world, what would you put that title as today on yourself? I'm a creative anarchist. I go in and I disrupt things in a positive way. 
I look for disruptions in the force and I try and find a way to fit myself between them and make that shine. And, and that's what I've been doing ever since. After my software company, I ended up working, building another company with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. And we had a fantastic time together. We built a very powerful company to 30 million in sales. We grew that company and it was just doing incredible when the worst thing I could have ever imagined happened. And people who know the story know me. Chet Holmes died. Now, Chet was my friend. I met Chet many, many years ago. We had stayed friends for 30 years. I was with him on the day that he took his last breath and his last words were spoken to me. And I have to tell you, it took me a lot of time to get over that, but it was a wild ride. And I remember after the whole thing was over, because I resigned at that point. I mean, the emotional roller coaster of building that company with Tony and Chet and then having Chet die and then getting myself into a position where I didn't feel comfortable there anymore. I, I just had to go. And then I found myself just recently in 2012 with nothing to do. I had some money for sure, but I didn't have a purpose anymore. And I didn't have you know a profession per se, if you know what I mean. I didn't have a, a list of people I could mail to and offer or something you know, sexy <laughs> or powerful. So I just decided that, and I called a friend and I I have a friend, his name, you know him, I think. His name is Jay Abraham. And I called Jay and I said, Jay, what do I do? And Jay said the words that set me on the right track. He said, Mitch, you cannot leave this world without either teaching or sharing what you know how to do because the world needs what you know. Mm. I, said, I said, Jay, what do I know? I, I know what you're talking about. He goes, come on, Mitch, you just built the company over 300 people, completely virtual. I said, ah, that's what you mean. And so what I did is I thought about it. I said, well, how am I going to do that? What does he mean? Should I do something with other people? Should I do it by myself? So I said, I, I know what I'll do. I'll take some notes. So I started writing notes and writing notes and writing notes. And I decided I was going to write a book. And so from all of that came my very first book called The Invisible Organization. And that book is the book that later my friend Jay Abraham mm, yep. wrote the forward for. And he gave us the tagline. It says how ingenious CEOs are creating thriving virtual companies. And, you know, the gift that Jay gave me was the realization that I had something of value to offer because at that moment in time, I didn't feel like I did. I felt like crap to tell you the truth. And Jay helped remind me of that. And I was so thankful for him. Later, we, again, recently, we started to work together on another project. And hopefully, there'll be many more. I love Jay. And I, I think that there are just so few of these people in the world, like Jay Abraham and Tony Robbins, and they should be cherished for the gifts that they are to our society. Yeah. I mean, you know, Jay writes, you know, Bitch Russo provides a rather refreshing to slant on growing a business to double, redouble, maybe even double again and again without heavy fixed investment in people, equipment, and cost. He has a blueprint, an exceptional, impressive process many people can use to propel rapid growth. I mean, what better way to kind of explain who you are from a very powerful mind such as Jay and then to hear you. And then, you know, as I was kind of preparing a little bit, I was looking at the people you've impacted and the people you've helped. I mean, even in our conversation, I hung up, I'm like, I got to interview this guy. He's, he was phenomenal. But Tony Robbins writes, you're such a superstar, Mitch. And he even says, it would be great if you would consider, in my opinion, training others on the team with your skills. It's a privilege to have you as a partner. I mean, you think about two pretty iconic names, at least in my life, and I think in yours and others in the world, you talk about your friend that you lost too, and the impact you had and kind of preparing for this today. We talked a little bit about your training programs and how you have a software platform and your new venture and the things that you're doing. It's a piece of software that's patent pending, but it, it helps people to kind of 
match with the right people. And I think so many people are matched with the wrong people in life. And then they go, how the hell did I get here? And maybe I got lost along the way. And I think what you're holding on to, if I'm not mistaken, is a compass that helps people point them in their true north, get some in the right direction. Absolutely. I love the way you said that. Can we talk about you? Because when I look at you, you've run a podcast, you've got a tribe, you speak, you do live coaching. I mean, you've got so many things about you. But the thing that has really struck is that you said this right when you got started. You said, I've helped more people than I've helped last year. We're not even halfway through this year. (laughs) So I was like, all right, I'm all yours. Tell me where that calling inside of you is is to be able to help more people. And Jay writes, like, without a lot of systems and help, you're really sometimes just leading them down the road and then giving them the ability to see themselves better and bigger than they see themselves. And a lot of times people fix themselves without us needing to do anything other than just to be there. That is true. And I think that if it were, if it were more true, then there'd be fewer coaches, there'd be fewer teachers, because we'd all have the ability to follow our own guidance. And the thing is, and I think I can speak with some surety here, Tony, I'm sure you've experienced those moments in your own life when you didn't trust your guidance. Mm. I know there's been moments in my life, I've told you several of them when I didn't trust my guidance either. And and so what I decided to do was I just decided to see if I could help people in a unique way. And when I looked back at the way I've helped people, I thought, well, you know, it was kind of haphazard. You know, I'm a creative person, but So when I get on a phone, I just end up being creative with somebody and figuring stuff out with them. But what happens if I were to systematize that? I mean, I'm a kind of a systems guy, as I've been told over and over. Yeah. So how could you systematize that? And that's what I ended up doing. I ended up creating a two-dimensional mapping system to take ideas and stack them in such a way that they actually create a plan for a person in a company that is focused entirely on their future. And the future, meaning I think of it as three core things. Number one, finding the thing that lights you up. Maybe we'll call it your true purpose. Number two, aligning that with your skills so that you're not doing something you hate to do or can't do. And number three, making a lot of money. So using my two-dimensional mapping system, I work individually with clients to coach them to that moment and that time where all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and they go, yep, you're right. I see it. And then once we have that light bulb moment, boy, do I get busy. And we plan all of the pieces necessary to create the infrastructure of an operating enterprise. And I do that, believe it or not, I do that in all of eight hours. So in a matter of six, seven coaching sessions, I start with my two-dimensional mapping process and take everybody through to the point where at the end of our engagement, they are already pretty much ready to deploy a product or service that will thrill them, light them up, and make them money. Wow. I'm just going to pocket that little segment up and I'm going to remind to hit play on it daily and remind myself that, you know, if I'm ever doubting myself, got Mitch in my back pocket, that he's going to encourage me, take me through his process, two-dimensional mapping program, and get me to remind myself of the genius and the ability of making sure that I, uh, I show up the way I do. And I just want to say thanks, Mitch. Like just, I just breaking a sweat with you already. And I, and I, I always have to remind the audience as you're listening, remember, I asked Mitch to come on and share his genius with the world. It's not about Tony. It's about Mitch. And the thing that I've learned is I'm like, oh, me too. Sounds like me. And I really could use that. So let's talk about your results breakthrough program and your system. I want to know 
how people could take that and use that to kind of experience. And where is it really, where is it designed? Like, where do you find that really being mapped into the world? What kind of businesses, groups, where could people really use that service? Well, here's the thing. When I first released the software, I released it because I had a need. I had bought so many courses that I never finished. (laughs) And I actually went back to one of the old Facebook groups to try and figure out if I could find somebody to work with. But the Facebook group for that part, for that course had closed. So I'm thinking there's got to be more people like me who are kind of stuck looking for a way to get their courses complete. Mm. And that was the initial vision that I had for building the software was to help us individuals out here in the field, find a partner and work together. Here's what I discovered in six weeks. Now, I like the idea of failing fast because you see, Tony, that was kind of the way that I failed slowly for a while and fast is better. So in six weeks, I figured out that nobody individually cares that much about accountability because after all, if they bought the course and didn't finish it, they must not have wanted to finish it. So why would they want to stay accountable? to finish it. It's stupid me. I'm thinking everyone's like me because that's the flaw of all creative product developers. They think everyone's like them. At least that's how we start out. Then we learn and realize not everybody is like us and we do the research that we're supposed to have done from the beginning and get it right. So I started at that point thinking to myself, okay, where did I go wrong here? What assumption is not correct? And the assumption is, is that individuals really don't have an impetus to do this unless they're guided. So what I then decided to do is contact the people who built courses, programs, and masterminds. And when I shared the idea with them, they loved it. They Mm. said, well, you know, our, I mean, honestly, Mitch, our completion rate's like 4%. And, you know, selfishly, we know if we got more people to complete, we could sell them our next course, but we can't quite do that if they didn't complete the first one. I said, yeah, I kind of know that. So what I've started to do now is work with course providers to build this into their platform. So I'm now working, I still work with individuals. I get a smattering of people every week come and sign up and they find a partner and they like doing it, et cetera. But my big play now is working with large organizations, not even large, people with courses or masterminds. I have one guy who has a mastermind with only eight people in it, but he loves it because it fits his needs. Right. So that's the nature of how I came about to do this. And realistically, I mean, if you Google any guru's name, and the words accountability, like Zig Ziglar, accountability, you know, Tony Robbins plus accountability, keep going, you know, Harv Ecker plus accountability. You get all these great quotes about what it would be like and how wonderful it is to have an accountability partner. Well, there's never been a way to do it before, except by individually searching for someone and asking them to help you. Now with this tool, you can find one just like match.com. That's the power of the tool. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break at the top of Success Mountain. We're talking today, Mitch Russo. He's the author of the book, The Invisible Organization and Dynamic Speaker. Been on tons and tons of podcasts, runs his own podcast show. We're going to be coming back and talking about all the ways that he can help you and kind of get more insight. But the thing that you've already heard as you've gone on this journey so far, I'm out of breath a little bit just because I'm like, man, we did a lot in a short period of time. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about his podcast specifically in your first thousand clients. And what does that really mean? How he's helping business owners to grow your business. Hopefully he can come back and help you grow your business. And so stay tuned as we will be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show with today's special guest, Mitch Russo. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? 
Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to ShipOffers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at ShipOffers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Today's special guest, Mitch Russo. We were talking right before the cliffhanger as we went into a break just about the abilities that I think we all have inside of us and sometimes we forget to ask. He said my favorite word today, ask. It's the one thing we forget to do because maybe it takes us back to our childhood when we knew that we were asking and the teacher said, yes, Tony, you can go to the bathroom. Then as we got older and we were in high school, we didn't raise our hand anymore and ask because we were embarrassed if we didn't know the question to the answer. And so what did we do? We felt ashamed. And you know, Mitch has worked with some of the biggest minds on the planet from Jay Abraham, Kevin Harrington, Tony Robbins, Chad Holmes. There's a lot of dynamic people, Jay Abraham. So what I want to do is say, a lot of times I ask this question at the end, but I'm going to ask it as we come out of this cliffhanger and get down. What is something that you wish more people would ask you when they have the opportunity to interview you or have you on their show that is a seldom question that ever gets asked of you, but it's something that you feel like, wow, I just, I want to share this more with the world. You know, uh, I have to think about that. Here's something that I think very few people know about me, and it's probably the favorite thing of mine in the whole world, other than my, my family. I mean, the thing that lights me up the most, and I mean, there's lots of things that do, but the thing that lights me up the most is my creativity, my ability to express my creativity through my photography. So I have been a photographer since I'm nine years old. And there have been times in my life when I've done a lot of photography and there are times in my life when I've had to put my camera down to start a company for five years at a time. So photography for me has been the greatest blessing. It has brought me a place where I can be fully present. And my favorite type of photography is called travel photography. And a sub element of that is night photography. So probably one of the harder things to shoot too is night photography. True. And it's hard to shoot good. It's hard to get the technical side of it right. It's getting easier because of how fantastic our equipment is these days. But honestly, the passion in what I see through my lens on my screen at night is what drives me to travel all over the world and photograph and immerse myself in other cultures and find myself disconnected from everything. You know, I just hate it when I go to a foreign country and I have no cell phone service and no internet. I just hate it so much. I'm smiling ear to ear. (laughs) You know, Mitch, I got to tell you, looking through all of your stuff, everything that I was like trying to figure out, I wanted to know about you. There's no photography like mentioned, like in any of this. And have you ever showcased your work? Have you ever showcased it? Like I see some stuff in your place, but do you ever have a book? Do you have anything showcasing some of the things that you've been able to take photos of over the years? Well, I have a site. It's called MitchRussoTravels.com. And you could see some of my photography there. It's not completely up to date, but it's pretty. Certainly the, the slideshow at the front is pretty up to date. And the other thing is, is that I write a blog. I write a business blog on MitchRusso.com, but I write a photography blog. And I don't write often, but I write about the things that excite me. I write about my trips. I write about how I make pictures, the software and tools that I've discovered that I love to use that make me more expressive, that give me the opportunity to share photographically who I am even more. So those are the things I love to share. And those are the things that I love to do. Yeah, you're, uh, I just clicked over to the 
Mitch Russo travels and, and looking at something from Chicago. And I mean, this belongs in a magazine, a museum. Like this, this is really, really nice. I mean, this is not just, oh, I took it on my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody's a photographer these days with the technology we have in our hands, but there's a lot of depth to your stuff too. And, and I'm following some trains going by and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking about my kid asking me, hey, what's your ISO? Like, what are you shooting this in? Like, so I'm, you know, for me, Mitch, the whole reason why I do my show isn't to talk about all the money you make. It's to talk about these types of things that to me bring you joy and passion and purpose and really help you to leave an impact and a legacy on the world and not someday you're living it today. And I love the fact that you said that you write for yourself, business, but you also do some stuff around the travel as well. And you're sharing yourself in such a way that the world, as I like to say, the impact that I'm leaving today or living will be available for the world to see long after I'm gone. That's the one thing that I admire about you is you're documenting your journey and you're talking about it, the ups and the downs and some of the, most people don't come into a podcast and say, I wanted to shove heroin in my arm when I was 16 years old. But somehow (laughs) the phone rang and I said, hello, hello, hello. And when I hung up, it hardened and I didn't shoot it. If I did, I would be dead. So like, I'm just saying, I'm very honored and grateful that you're transparent because in transparency is where the life of love grows. And that's where the heart is actually being able to be held. It's a lot more than just surface shit. Let me just say it the way it is. So many people talk about because they're like, look at me, let me flap my wings and show the world I can fly. And reality is you're taking off right now and you're having so much fun doing so. And you're helping so many people to do it. And that to me is the greatest gift I could have asked for today is the impact you're leaving on me and the person who's listening today. Thank you, Tony. You know, there's a part I left out, I should tell you. It's sort of a corollary to the story I told you about my troubled teen years. When I built Results Breakthrough Network, there was a part of me that said, you know, I got to apply the same rules that I do with my own clients. This can't just be a business to make money. It has to help people in a much bigger way. And I I wasn't really sure. I thought, well, maybe I'll just donate some of the proceeds. And and then having a conversation with a friend, Yannick Silver, he and I came up with an idea that I thought was brilliant. So here's what I built into resultsbreakthrough.com. If you become a member on your profile, there is a checkbox that you could click. And if you click that box, that box says, I want to be a 10-minute mentor. Mm. If you click that box, we will hook you up with an inner city high school kid where you can talk to that kid maybe once or twice a month for 10 or 15 minutes and just be a mentor and just help another kid maybe create a vision and a dream for themselves. Mm. And the story behind this is, you know, maybe if I would have had a 10-minute mentor in my high school career, maybe I wouldn't have put that needle in my arm. I don't know. But I'm going to try and prevent them from doing it. So, And that's the give back component, right? Like you're, you're saying, hey, No matter where you are in your life, you can make a difference. Like stop thinking about, I have to go raise a bunch of money and give it to a charity. Like you can give back locally in your community. You can do something today to move the needle (laughs) forward. You have the ability and that's the gift that you're sharing with the world. And I just want to say thank you. And what I love to do is we'll make sure in the show notes, the URLs, everything that you're about, everything that you're talking about, the people, the quotes, anything, it's all going to be there for anybody listening today. So you don't have to worry about taking fast notes. What I love to do in this part, this is my favorite part of the show because it, it gets me to find more about the camera, photography, the things that you're doing behind the scenes. It highlights a little bit more about you with me less asking questions like, hey, showcase what you've done back in 1985. So we call this the fulfillment round. And this is a, just a rapid fire, five to 10 questions, really kind of no phone a friend. It's just me asking questions. 
and you giving me fun answers. And what we do is we leave the world saying, I want to know more about Mitch because that was awesome. And so if you're open, like I said, there's no phone a friend. There's no passing either. You have to make up an answer if you don't know it. That's the fun part of this. Okay. So are you ready to play the fulfillment round? Absolutely. All right. Favorite spot you've traveled to in the world and why? Oh, so, so here's the thing about being a photographer that can live in the moment. Turns out this, the last place I went is always my favorite place to go <laughs> <laughs> because I just become so immersed in it. But I think the way for me to answer the question is to tell you where I've been the most times because that's evidence that I think it's my favorite sure. place in the world. That place is Iceland. Iceland wow. to me is a, a surreal world of beauty and challenge. And I only go in the winter. I've gone in the spring and summer. I hate it in the spring and summer. But in, I go in the winter in the dead of winter so that I get to capture Iceland in its most beautiful form. And I will go back there probably for the rest of my life because every time I go, I come home with a treasure trove of beautiful images. And that's what I go for. Is there a specific area that you recommend for a first-timer like me? First-timer should go fly directly into Reykjavik, take the south loop, stop at uh, Jokulstarlan, which is the iceberg pond where all the chunks of ice float through, cross the street, go to the Black Beach, and look at the beautiful crystallized ice cubes formations on the beach itself. After you're done with that, keep driving south. You'll get to the most amazing waterfalls you've ever seen. You'll get to more places where you can view the amazing glaciers. There's several glaciers that have areas where you could search and walk the glaciers. It's so beautiful. You just, it, there's only one road on the entire, in the entire country. You could just keep going. You can drive around the entire country. It'd take you about 12 days. You know, Mitch, from your story today early on and just that one, I'm like, I'm literally there. You're like, okay, I'm going to the Black Beach. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I love that. So on this journey... What kind of equipment would you recommend or what do you carry that you're shooting film with? Okay, well, let's, let's be clear. I don't shoot film. It turns out that film is, is inefficient. I mean, yeah. I can get so much more into a digital file than I could ever get on film. So from my perspective, I'd much rather shoot digital and the highest resolution Perfect. possible. So for me, cameras are tools and they come and go. The current camera happens to be a Sony A7R2, which is 42 megapixels. Um, and How I, many? 42. Wow. Yeah. And it's not by, by all means. I mean, there's cameras that have higher megapixels, but that's all I need. I mean, that's big enough for me. And that's big enough for my computer to handle 180 megabyte image files. So, wow. you know. Do you have a particular place that you're there in Iceland that you love to go and have food at? Do you have a particular restaurant that is your favorite? Yes. I'm glad you asked that. It's called The Fish. And if you go into Reykjavik and make reservations at The Fish and order the Around the World, you will be blown away. You will not be able to finish the amount of food that they bring you. And it is truly from around the world. And it is the greatest meal I've ever had. It's, I'm sorry, it's called Fish House, not The Fish. Okay. Fish House. I like it, the fish house. We're taking notes and we're going to put it, we don't have a travel blog yet, but it may need to be with some of the amazing recommendations people have given us. What would you say if you're not shooting, if you're not hanging with friends and family, what do you do for you besides that? Like what is something that you enjoy doing for yourself? You know, I, there's a few things. Number one is I love live music. Anytime I can be in front of live music, I have a, this habit of breaking the bank to get first row or fourth row seats. 
I mean, my friend, my former partner, my partner who I built Time Slips Corporation with, Neil Eyre. Neil and I travel to concerts two, three, four times a year. We love hanging out with each other. We love just chilling out and immersing ourselves in Chick Corea or old classic rock or jazz of any kind. And that's just so fulfilling for me. I love that. Do you have a uh, particular artist that you is on your wish list, like that you want to go see that you haven't seen yet? You know, there's probably dozens. The, the, most of my wish list artists are dead. <laughs> Sorry to say. I, I did see Jimi Hendrix, so I was thrilled to- Oh, that would have been incredible. Yeah, yeah. But I never saw Cream. I would have loved to have seen Cream. I was living in New York, so I had the Fillmore East at my disposal. And as a kid, as a teenager, I'd take the subway down to Manhattan and hang around the outside of the Fillmore East and buy tickets from scalpers after the show started when they realized they couldn't give them away at that point. So, you know, it was expensive. They were like $5 seats, you know? <laughs> Man, Mitch, I have learned a lot about you. I learned about your music. I learned about an amazing place to go visit in Iceland. I learned about from your business successes, some failures, some things that you've learned. What's one piece of wisdom that you heard early on in your life that has carried you to this point in your life? Yeah, you know, I had a job once where I was carrying boxes into and moving them from a warehouse to a truck. And I didn't really know who owned the boxes or what was in them for the most part, but I was just hired to, as a kid to move boxes. So I did that. And the CEO of the company showed up that day and we had moved all the boxes into the truck. And now we had to unpack them from the truck to his new location. And the truck was filled and it was just him and me. He says, come on, come with me, drive with me. So I got into his car and we're chatting and he goes, I really appreciate your help today. That was, uh, you guys did a great job. I said, thank you. I said, I got to ask you what's in the boxes. He says, oh, you didn't know? I said, I said, no, I had no idea what's in the box. He goes, oh, they're vacuum cleaners. I said, vacuum cleaners? He goes, yeah, 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 we have a vacuum cleaner company. I said, no kidding. Um, what's the name of the company? He goes, Hoover Vacuum. I said, mm, never heard of it. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the founder. I'm the owner of the company. And uh, I created this vacuum company. I said, is it big? He goes, oh, yeah, it's pretty big. I said, and I said to him at this age, I said to him, you know, I got to ask you a question. What's the secret to your success? How did you build this company? And he said to me the words I never forgot. He said, Mitch, I never quit. You'd never get me to quit. You'd have to use a nine millimeter bullet through the eyes to get me to quit. And I said, really? He goes, yep, I don't quit. I'm not a quitter. And that's how I succeed. I may change my position from time to time. These days we'd use the word pivot from time to time, but I never quit. You know why? Because I know I will be successful. I thought to myself, I love this. This is now going to be emblazoned in my memory forever. The CEO of the Hoover vacuum cleaner told me never to quit. So why would I ever try to quit? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, man. That is a great story. This interview has been filled with so much inspiration, wisdom, but also just you just being you. And, and that's what happened when I got connected to you several months ago. And I just, I loved it. And you know why I do these podcasts? It's for the world. It's for you. But really, it's for me. So I make sure I can go through my arsenal when I'm like, hey, you know what? What did he say? He's, you know, never quit, you know, never stop, never, never give up, never. Do. Oh yeah. I need to hear that again. Just like that little section about your business. I need to remind myself today to play that off. And so I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for just being a giver, sharing who you are transparently with the world, being honest and raw and talking about some of the good things and the bad things, but all the things brought us to this conversation right now. And that's what I want to remind myself of. 
I'm thrilled. I'm glad I was able to make this a fun conversation for both of us. Well, what we're going to do, Mitch, we're going to put all of your information available on the website. Everybody who's listening will be able to find it. And once again, thank you for being just a genuine person. And my name is Tony Grebmeyer. And until we meet again, no matter people where you go, no matter what you do, remember to go make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at drainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever. Forever.